When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bigfoot Collectors Club presents Terrifying Tales from Zombie Bigfoot's Cryptid Crypt! <laughs> I know a ghost story about you! Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club. Being recorded on a very misty, spooky night here in Los Angeles. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And our super producer, back, back in the hot seat. Hi, Riley Bray. Hi. <laughs> Sounds Woo! like you're in trouble. You're not in trouble. There We're he is. Back, back in the hot seat again. <laughs> yeah, there he is. Old Riley backing up to no good. Um, very appropriate night. I don't I don't know if you guys saw. I was out walking the dogs before the show and I looked out over the Hollywood Hills and there's like an eerie fog coming in. Ooh. And uh, yeah, it's very appropriately spooky. Um Zombie Bigfoot's Cryptid Crypt is wide open all month long here on the podcast and on our Patreon, BCC The Other Side. We're sharing extra spooky stories of high strangeness during October. And joining us this week to sink their teeth into the spooky season are the co-hosts of Tooth and Claw, available weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Club Scouts of all timelines, please welcome to the show, Wes Larson and Jeff Larson. Hey, everyone. (laughs) Hello. What's up? I like that hey. crowd. Yeah. yeah. That's a great crowd. We're, we're also both in spooky locations. So All right, we let's, are, let's we'll so fit who's, in your theme. Who's Jeff? Who's Wes? I'm Wes. I'm the big brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm Jeff. Uh so yeah. I work Wes is a wildlife biologist and I worked as his field tech with black bears. Yeah. Whoa, no way. Cool. I'm currently based out of Yellowstone. Oh, yeah, great. exactly. Yeah, so I'm out like here, super old, creepy building. Yeah, <laughs> I'm staying in <laughs> like the old guardhouse here. Um, I work in bear management, so anything involving bears or really any other wildlife in the park is kind of my purview. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's really fun. It's a good job. Uh, we, I just learned that we we probably caught a grizzly bear tonight, so tomorrow I'm going to be uh, putting a GPS collar on a grizzly bear. No way! Whoa. Can you walk us? Can you Whoa. walk us through the 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 grizzly bear population uh, in North America? And- I already can. I already just want to warn you. I feel like Bryce is going to run wild in this episode. With, with <laughs> hey, it's, tu- so. it's tooth and claw. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta we gotta save that and like put it as our opening in our podcast. That's a great grab. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, the grizzly bear population in North America, huh? There's about 50,000 bears in the lower 48 though. We're at about, I don't know, um, couple thousand, the greater Yellowstone ecosystem that I work in, there's just over a thousand bears. And within the park, we have about 175. Um, but that's kind of, Yellowstone's the densest place with them, right? It's not, no, 
Um, oh, yeah. Alaska would be. Yeah, mm. Alaska or British Columbia. It's not even the densest in the lower 48. But there's a wow. there's oh, a really? healthy population here. Yeah, and they're they're doing well. And a lot of that's just because we've given them a lot of attention, <laughs> which they need. Lots, Love that. Lots of uh, picnic baskets, right? Exactly. Just constantly <laughs> setting out picnic <laughs> baskets for the bears. Uh, that's no, the, the only way either. to study them. Yes. <laughs> we're actually trying to exactly, we're trying to avoid that exact thing. Um, that's yeah. probably the worst possible <laughs> thing for them. But yeah, I, so I recently, I recently watched like the very first Yogi Bear cartoon on HBO Max. I think it was just to give it, just to be like, let's go back and take a look at this. And it is <laughs> one of the most horrifically violent things i have ever watched really on a kid's <laughs> wow. cartoon it's just all about you sure you yogi- watch the right thing yeah maybe maybe <laughs> i didn't it's all about yogi trying to get out of the park and he keeps disguising himself as like dead bears to on people's trucks oh, wow. to get oh, to get out and then at one point, one point he lands in the wrong part. And then there's just like all these hunters and the there's like a solid five minutes of him just dodging bullets. It's very dark. I was like, this That's is crazy. what kids watched back in the 60s. This is wild. Huh? Yeah, it's definitely I'm not assuming, that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm assuming there's not a lot of bears under fire. In no, Yellowstone no, Park. not that often. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this whole career in bears, it. It started looking at human wildlife conflict. I worked with polar bears, black bears with Jeff, and uh, now grizzly bears and a bunch of other animals too. And then that was just such a passion for me that we put together the podcast where we just, we talk about attacks on humans, but in a way where we can explain why those attacks happened, how generally like the people are the ones at fault and not so much the animals and how people can avoid those kind of uh, encounters on, you know, when they're out recreating and hiking and whatnot. Jeez. We just what had, do you guys find to be the most? Oh, go ahead, Michael. I was going to say, sorry, Bryce, we keep stepping on, stepping on each other's toes tonight. Um, but we just had a uh, P-22 who is My audio the cut out. Park I don't know Puma. if you guys can oh. still hear me. All right. We'll take a note. We can hear you. We okay. hear you. You don't hear us at all. It's cut out a couple of times. I can hear you again. Okay. Um, hmm. Uh, if if it cuts out again, uh, stop us and we'll start a new recording. But if it's stable now, like it, the recording looks like it's fine, and I can okay. edit around this. All right. Okay. Sorry about cool. that. Right, cool. I'll just I'll just no, go no back worries. to where. Yeah, maybe try to just like wait a few seconds and see if it comes back, Wes. Yeah, I I've done that the other couple because your internet goes in and out a little bit at Yellowstone. Yeah, it says it's pretty good right now, so I don't know why it's happening. But okay. Sorry about that. Okay. You know yeah. what? Well, this happens to no us worries. a lot too. So don't worry about it. You're in All right. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I'll just go back and ask my question and then we can pretend that I didn't interrupt Bryce. How's that? Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Here we go. We just had here in uh, the area where I live, uh, Puma 22, P22, who's Griffith Park's mountain lion was caught on my neighbor's ring cam walking down our street Saturday morning at 3 a.m. It's fascinating how much wildlife there is out here. But, you know, with P22 in our neighborhood, he's spotted multiple times this year. I I think I know what to do in the case of a mountain lion interaction. But but what what should people do? Yeah, that's a, it's a great thing to bring up. And that's a very famous cat. Uh, my friends in LA are constantly sending me 
videos He's and photos and stuff that people see a uh, that mountain bigger lion. celebrity than any of us on this show <laughs> yeah, right now probably yeah. <laughs> uh but i with mountain lion attacks there's there's a lot of different things you should do but really the main thing i would say is just make yourself as big and as loud as possible so if you have a, a mountain lion that's following you or if you see one that's potentially stalking you you just want to throw things you want to get loud you don't want to run away. That's the number one thing is don't run away because that can trigger a predatory instinct in them. Um, generally, when they see you, they're just kind of trying to figure out if you're prey or not. And if you show them that you're not prey, then almost always they're going to leave you alone. So go full Michigan J-Frog is what you're saying. Like top hat, exactly. cane, <laughs> dance up and down the sidewalk. Old time. Yeah. Try to Wait. like... Try to like grab a squirrel and bite its head off, you know, just so they know you're not fucking around, you know. <laughs> do you, I want to hear uh, Riley, Michael, and Bryce. Do you guys feel? How do you think you do like in a fight for your life against a mountain lion? <laughs> Riley, you I'd go definitely first. lose. I would definitely <laughs> lose, unquestionably. But I would, I'd, I'd look really scary. I'd, I'd be super into it. I'd, I'd have that slow motion punch coming into the face, and then it would just kill me. <laughs> Probably yeah. want to go like full speed if a mountain lion's attacking you. <laughs> That's a good point. I would just <laughs> hope no, someone was filming it in slow motion. Because like most adults, like you could fight off a mountain lion. Like really? Yeah. <laughs> that like, a, knife. I, I feel like if it were P twenty two, I'd be like, I'm so honored. I'm just gonna lay here. You take me. <laughs> Such a big. Fan. Oh my it's god! Like, <laughs> like, like I'm not saying you definitely would win, but like with mountain lions. They they need to be so quiet and they like need to be really healthy to be successful predators. So interesting. They're gonna be really cautious about something that's like fighting back hard. Hmm. So like if you get in a few kicks and punches, they'll probably just run off. Right, that's because they've got to they've got to save their uh, apparatus for future hunting and survival. Exactly. They don't want to risk risk injuring an eyeball or anything. Did I ever tell you about the time I took mushrooms and I climbed up the side of a mountain and I became a mountain lion? <laughs> no, like I half, you were gonna say, I half, you were gonna say fish a mountain lion, but that's no, better. halfway yeah. up the mountain, I started clawing into this ground like I was a mountain lion, and I totally inhabited this creature. And I reached the the top of this mountain. And I could not believe it. The view was for me and me alone. It was outstanding. And then as the sort of the mountain lion-esque uh, feeling wore off, I realized, oh, fuck, there's no way down. And it was, and I became terrified <laughs> and scared very quickly because I was like almost in a panic. So I had to like be very like, I was human Bryce again, trying to get down very cautiously. And oh my God, that was a... That was not a fun day. Can you guys still oh, hear me? I lost to God, you. we had video from like a distance, like 50 oh. foot distance of you going up that mountain. And just, just from our point of view, seeing you be like, rawr, rawr, <laughs> <laughs> just scratching the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my friends were like, Bryce, Bryce, get back. And I was like, I can't. I'm a mountain lion. Like, rawr, you, like trying to like, bite them. <laughs> what an honor. What an honor to turn into a mountain. Mountain lion. 
Oh my god! It would, I, I, I felt the claws, and and it was I was moving effortlessly up this like steep incline, like because my whole body, my center of gravity was so low to the ground. I was like on all fours and clawing. It was it was magnificent. I was That's like wonderful. going underneath the brush. Oh my god! It was great. God, yeah. Did you feel like you were a predator? Like you wanted to like sniff oh, something a, out and try to? Oh yeah. Kill it? If, if a rodent would have passed in front of my mouth, I would have chomped down on it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> my equivalent to that is when I I did shrooms in Amsterdam and I sat out on the sidewalk and I was like, I feel like I'm a dog right now and I'm seeing the world from a dog's point of view. So I like that you became a mountain lion and I became a golden retriever. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's great. I got to do more right. mushrooms, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's Jeff, Wes, yeah. we like to ask all of our guests, what is your personal paranormal history? Have you ever had a strange encounter that you couldn't explain? You must be looking at night skies off, and certainly you must have seen some strange lights in the sky at least. What do you got? Yeah. Um, it's funny you should mention night skies, and Jeff is probably rolling his eyes right now because he's heard this story a lot. Um <laughs> I feel like I've had a number of weird paranormal things happen to me, but the number one, like the one that I always think about is one that I happened to get a photo of. And I was, um, I was doing a black bear study in Bryce Canyon national park. And I just so happened to be alone one week. I was out trapping black bears and I hadn't seen anyone in a while. It was cold. It was like mid to late October. And I was staying in this little forest service cabin in the middle of the woods. And, um, one night I decided just to go out and take some like astrophotography, try and get some photos of the the Milky Way and get some nice like star photos. And I'm out taking these long exposure photos. And in my cabin, I turned on just like one really small light in the back of the cabin, just so the lights would kind of light up with these long 30 second exposures. Oh. And yeah. And as I'm taking these photos, it's, you know, you take the photo and then you have to wait a while for your camera to process it. So I keep taking them and I'm kind of getting closer to the photo I want. And finally I take one and I'm looking at it. And when the photo finally appears, there's a, like some shadows in the window that look like, like humans with antlers. Oh, oh my God. It, I'm looking boys. I've got this photo pulled up for you in our, in our uh, programs document. I want you to look at the top photo has, and I'll put these up on Instagram. Um, wow. The top photo has the figures in the window. And then the bottom photo shows you what the ha- cabin looks like without them in the window. Oh um, yeah. That is creep fest. And that like was the only, <clears throat> that was the only photo out of like, I probably took a hundred photos that night where it, those shadows were there and I sat there and I just thought about what it could possibly be and couldn't really come up with anything, but I was getting so cold and I had like nowhere else to sleep and all my gear was inside that I was forced to go back in. And I remember thinking like, okay, if I go back in and I feel really weird, then I'm just going to sleep in my car or I'm going to go do something else. And when I went, when I went in, I felt fine, but a weird thing, and this is just like a kind of a weird note. And maybe you guys can tell me if this means anything. The next morning in that window, there was tons of black, like house flies, like probably 20 oh, of them geez. buzzing around in that window. Oh, yeah. Oh, Which was very goodness. strange. Yeah. <laughs> so that and was it's it. Like out <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, like place where like astronomy, people into astronomy come out to like see the stars because like. It gets so dark there. Yeah, it's a dark yeah. sky park. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, what like, is, I what lived are... there with him for a while and, like, you know, never completely felt comfortable living in that place. Like, there's something weird going on there. And why? What, yes. what, what's weird about it? What are you feeling out there? I don't know. It's just, like, that feeling where you, it's hard to say, you just never quite can get, like, completely comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there seems I, to so, be two. There seems to be two of them. I mean, I think uh, there's three. Yeah, maybe even yeah. more. Oh my! my God, like, I don't like that. My thing that I have always kind of wondered is some sort of southwestern Native American like skinwalker or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just with the antlers and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Because the thing that um, the first thing I thought of was the Celtic horned god Cernanos. Um, that's the first thing that popped into my head. Um, and Cernanos is the God who represented nature, flora and fauna and fertility. He's frequently depicted in Celtic art wearing Celtic art, wearing stag antlers or horns, and usually a torque around his neck. T O R C. Yeah. Um, weird. I know that pair, you know, just generally, and I can't get specific, so I'll, I'll, I'll label it as, extremely generalized i also know that you know some shamans would wear and and like you know medicinal leaders in certain uh cultures would wear uh horns on their head as well while tearing stories telling stories or performing you know rituals so absolutely the first thing i thought of was cernanos that's a very wild i mean i don't know what a celtic god would be doing all the way out yeah in, uh, out there but <laughs> in utah you know if you yeah. if you think of these things as being universal symbols then there's no reason that they couldn't be with you in in that area but uh, yeah that yeah. is that's very strange they they do yeah they look a little like i see one two three there's one that's like halfway right Peering yeah. out of the out of the mm-hmm. window, they they kind of look like you know like when you see like cave drawings of like space space gods. You know what I mean? They kind of yeah. have yeah. that about them. So as that, well. yeah. that's what I was gonna say is I've seen some pictographs and like and um and kind of oh I forget what the other ones are called, but pictographs like in the in the desert southwest sure. that have similar figures. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I don't like. It still creeps me out to this day. It's still something that like, yeah. I can't really describe how I felt standing out there in the cold, looking at my camera and realizing <laughs> that I had just taken that photo. So it's, yeah. I don't, I don't, I kind of just like to <laughs> like assume that it was something good and nice and not well, something, the, you know, I don't know. The, the, I think the flies say otherwise. And it's unfortunate because the, <laughs> because uh, the, like the, the shot of the Milky Way is just absolutely beautiful. But yes, there does seem to be some sort of presence that has invaded your, uh, your uh, aperture. And, you know, yeah. what's interesting is, is, is Michael even sort of pointed to this idea that, yes, shamans would cross over to the other side, often uh, wearing the uniform of their chosen animal that they liked to ride into that spirit realm and they would bring things back right that's that's what the shaman did they would bring a boon of information back whether it was healing or uh hunting technique or where the migration was heading and oftentimes they would get trapped between worlds and so perhaps uh you know this is some sort of an 
of, of a leftover uh, visage uh, of some type of imprint, but it's just creepy that it shows up in one frame and it decides to sort of look at you in particular. Yeah. Um, you're not going to like this, okay. but I'm just doing some light googs over here. And <laughs> That's what we do the, here on the show. One of the deities <laughs> or gods or demons associated with flies is Beelzebub. Yeah, so Satan, yeah. Just he's wanna, the bad one, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the bad guy. He's, he's actually chill. He's, I don't <laughs> see a lot of ha- antlers, but he, you know, he is depicted with having horns. So, um, okay. just, uh, yeah, he's definitely got horns in these pictures, but but he's not Satan. He's he's associated with Satan, but he's... Mm-hmm. His bud. Uh, Be- he's, he's, a, he's a bud. He's a Beelzebub. His Beelzebub. You might say. Yeah, he's a Beelzebub. <laughs> Um, I think they often get okay. Okay, let's look. The is associated with the Canaanite god Baal. So that's where Baal was a title and honorific meaning owner, lord in the Northwest Semitic languages spoken in the Levant. Blah 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 blah. Okay, so then later the name became synonymous with with Satan. So there's a lot of like you know, it's a lot of him I've heard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like how it's like. (laughs) Tons of flies and then like antlers, like the people in True Detective season one. And Wes is yep. like, I'm hoping it was like a good spear. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have the yellow king hanging out in here. <laughs> oh. This has this was like f- almost five years ago and nothing since. Um, That's good. But I share that photo almost every Halloween on on my social media and like. And people are always like, okay, what's the gag here? What'd you do? And it's like, I didn't do anything. Like, this actually happened, and it's still mm. scary as fuck. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. He was like photograph. an old ancient demon god, uh, Baalzebub. He occurs in the first chapter of the second book of Kings as the name of the Philistine god of Ekron. Uh, blah, blah, blah. He's considered the lord of the flies. In some depictions, he is a giant fly. Um, this is some like hereditary shit you're dealing with here. This okay. is like some old. This is like some straight up horror movie stuff. But um, I'd like to think maybe it's Cernanos, the cool Celtic god of of the forest. Let's go. With yeah, that. I like that one more. Yeah, I don't want anyone crawling on my ceiling. No, were you doing no. anything strange? Like or like, was there any activity? What was the activity in the cabin before you went outside? You know, I'm curious. Like, uh. I honestly was probably just like watching Netflix on my computer. Okay. Yeah. No, you didn't I, don't think ac- I, I wasn't like, like sacrificing anything. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I think the act, the action is that you were like looking into space, like you were photographing the stars. Oh. And then like in that one moment, the sky people looked back at you, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Someone, some sky people, um, Jeff, mm. you roll your eyes at the story because you just don't buy it or you've just heard it too many times. Um, a little of both. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Fair enough. I'm like the guy, I'm like the guy in a, in a horror movie where there's like a ghost, like flying in front of him. And he's like, that's not real. <laughs> <laughs> And then you like try to poke it with a stick and then it slimes you. Yeah, I'll be like the first one to die for sure. The guy that dies the worst. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Growing up, did you guys have any exposure to like UFO lore, ghost lore, like Bigfoot stuff? Obviously, Bigfoot must come up a lot in, in your line of work. 
Yeah, I mean, it it does come up a lot here. Like even this year, I've had people send me tracks that they are wondering if it's Bigfoot. Um, for me, like I don't know. The I think the ghost and demon stuff is always what hit a little harder. Like we were both we were both brought up religious, and that really factored into that too. Like it opens that whole door. Like as a biologist, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to like. And I'm not, I'm not an unbeliever or a non-believer, but like wrapping your head around this massive like megafauna that's out there living in the forest that we haven't seen is a little yeah. bit like bigger, a bigger of a jump for me than like someone who grew up religious thinking maybe a demon could inhabit my body or something. Um, sure. Yeah. So, I had, yeah. I had a funny Bigfoot theory for you guys. Great. So Excellent. I sent you a picture, right? Yes. There's like this girl I took a picture of once that was like doing the Bigfoot uh, pose accidentally. And like it is funny. Like I made fun of her. Like she looked like Bigfoot. Uh-huh. But anyways, uh, <laughs> it made me think, though, like. So do you guys believe in like um, possession type stuff, like spirits possessing a body? Sure. Absolutely. So then like. Do you think that could happen with a bear? That's I love where you're going. Yes. Because absolutely. like what if like a spirit yes. possessed a bear and then mm-hmm. was like not walking or like behaving like a bear and looked more like, you know, walk like had been in a human's body before, so it was acting mm-hmm. how it was in a human's body because bears can like walk upright. They know how to. Well, I love but that. Like, I love that. I guess the if problem I was walking like a human and like knew how to like move like a human, but was in a bear's body. Maybe that's like kind of where you get Bigfoot from. Well, I mean, you know that it, that could probably <laughs> account for a few reports. But but you know you're going to come into trouble when you start hearing these reports about people seeing these creatures throw rocks, huge logs at them. A lot yeah. of the time, uh, people are face to face with these creatures or looking down the barrel of their scope directly at their face. It's often been said that they can't pull the trigger because the humanness of the face alone sort of haunts them into thinking if they were to shoot it, it would be murder. You know, um, I think some of the cases are misidentification of, of, of bear, you know, but when you hear some of the more, I guess, longer lasting Bigfoot encounters, you can eliminate uh, misidentification pretty hmm. quickly. But I like this theory with Jeff, where you were headed with animal possession, now that's something we could get into. Yeah, Jeff, because sure, it's as good of an explanation as anything we've cooked up on this show, for sure. Yeah, I love it. I love that idea. <laughs> I don't even need to hear these stories. I'm a believer now. You guys have convinced me just by saying those stories exist. <laughs> yeah, you know, why not? We only ever see, like, spirits um, infiltrating humans. Why not, like, a random animal every once in a while? Well, what you if know, it was like this too, Jeff? What if? Oh, sorry, Mike. What? What no, if? The, especially let's to, say to mess with somebody. Yeah. What if this yeah. spirit does inhabit this animal, and perhaps this spirit can influence the perceiver, the uh, the observer, and how he's perceiving this animal? So let's run with your theory and say that perhaps some bear is is in inha- is possessed by some wood wood spirit, right? And now it's walking on hind legs, and when uh, when when somebody comes across it, it's able to sort of influence how it's observed or perceived and it comes off like this human uh 
Bigfoot. I don't know. I love this idea of animal possession now. I'm going to think a lot on that. Yeah. I just feel bad for the bears now. Now I'm worried about bears getting possessed by bears. As long as they're not playing Ouija boards out in the woods, that's fine. (laughs) I think, I think someone like someone who was in Bigfoot possessed my friend in that picture, that snapshot I got. (laughs) Yeah. That's a pretty good (laughs) shot. We'll put that on the Instagram as well, if that's okay. I'm interested. Interesting to hear. I want to hear a little bit more about the tracks west that people send to you and Mm. what your thoughts on them are and then sort of a two-part suggestion i think it would be interesting bryce if you went over some of the uh you know staple bigfoot encounter tropes would knocks that sort of thing and see if wes and jeff have ever experienced any of those so but let's start with these tracks yeah i mean to be honest like generally what it is is Sometimes bears, um, they to like mark their territory and to really get their scent on the ground, what they'll do is they'll kind of do this like they kind of like plant their feet sideways and do this shuffle step and they kind of slide their foot as they do it. And mm. it makes a typical like a grizzly track can already be massive, but when they slide the back of it out, it makes it look big and much more like a human footprint. Um, so almost every single one I've had sent me is one of those it's I can tell that it's a bear track and I can tell that it's it's shuffling and sliding its feet um I but the ones that I've been sent aren't like the ones that I've seen as evidence of Bigfoot they're not like the ones that are used by cryptozoologists they're ones that are obviously bears that have just been kind of slipping in the mud right you're not mistaking anything for like human looking toes no no it's like you can still see the front of the bear's claws and everything and then it slips out on the back end so that's that's the main thing that i've been sent and usually it's someone like hey i just stumbled upon this weird track and i'll be like are you in grizzly country and they'll be like yeah and i'll be like that's a grizzly bear track you should definitely be more concerned about that than about (laughs) it being a bigfoot track (laughs) yeah Yeah. fair enough Bryce, why don't you give us some of the things that you guys have maybe even encountered on Expedition Bigfoot or just some of the traditional signs of a Bigfoot in the area and and see if Jeff and Wes have ever encountered those and what their thoughts on them might be. Well, well, sure. I think Wes is right on. You can tell pretty much right away what, what might be a good quote unquote Bigfoot print. I mean, we've been doing the show for four years and we've really only got like one. So they're really rare to find something that can be uh, you know, halfway verified or legitimized. Uh, but you know, I, I, I think for people who spend a lot of time in the woods, the first thing to look for is just sort of anything out of the ordinary, anything that pops your interest as you're walking through trails or anything that stands out as, as something that, uh, that the flora fauna wouldn't be doing. I'm talking about like, you know, maybe tree structures or things that are like placed there either by human hands or by something with opposable thumbs. It gets tricky when those logs are super heavy and they're way high up and they're patterned in these ornate type of uh, pickup stick structures that you're going, okay, if, if a human did this, there would probably have to be a half a dozen men or so with ladders and ropes. And not that it's impossible, but then you'd see a lot of the uh, the evidence of them doing that. So it's stuff like that. And then really, I think, you know, um, you know, I guess I, those are the big, those are the big telltales. Other than that, you're like hearing stuff in the the sounds in the night, wood knocking, 
Yeah, have you guys light, ever tried to like orbs. communicate with uh, with things in the night, like banging on wood or uh, clicking stones or anything like that? Have you ever decided to sort of try to communicate with uh, something out in the woods? I personally haven't. I don't know about Jeff. Um, I I mean, this is all like the whole like I'm I'm very much someone that's open to believing in Bigfoot, but I've never decided to go out there and actively look for a big foot or big feet. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't so do I've that. Never, yeah, no, don't, that always ends yeah. badly. <laughs> yeah. So I've never tried to communicate or find anything. I've kind of always just been more of the mindset of like, Oh, if I were to stumble upon something that I can't explain, then that would probably convince me or make me much more of a believer. And I have yet totally. to stumble upon that. That's what yep, I was getting I at. Was, I was just curious if you had discovered anything or heard anything in the woods that you're like, you know, like the tree knocking, the weird lights in the woods, the tree structures. And if you had experienced and seen any of that kind of stuff before that are usually the what Bigfoot hunters point to as evidence of something out there. I have yeah, my brain. My brain always just goes to like wildlife, just the way it's wired, like bear, deer bird type of situation but then like there are sounds that are unusual sometimes when you're just out somewhere super quiet and it's but like that's still where my mind goes you're like out outside my window right now there's an elk bugling i can hear it in the background and it's such a eerie like ghostly noise um but i'm the same way i i usually can explain whatever i'm hearing because i do know wildlife pretty well and then also for what it's worth, I think, you know, we grew up in Montana. Um, we spent, Jeff lives in Utah. I, I don't think we're really in like, like Bigfoot country is so much as some other places. And you guys can tell me if I'm wrong there, but I feel like we haven't really spent a ton of time in the woods where Bigfoot sightings are common. I could, I could give you guys like a really crazy bear encounter. Yes. Hear it. Oh, those yeah. freak me out. It's yeah. with Wes. So. Um, we went to this den and like National Geographic came with us to photograph it, but, um, they showed up kind of late and like, we ended up going to the den and normally, so we go to the dens, Wes is the biologist, so he can correct or like add on to whatever I'm saying here. But, um, we go to the den just to make sure that bears that we have collars on are healthy and like still doing well and, like and this we just is with need black to go bears. You can't do this with grizzly bears. Yeah. Right. So we right. go up, we hike forever. We're exhausted. It's like starting to get dark and we like can't find the den. And then Wes is like trying to get up on this ridge to look for it. And I like see that he's kind of standing in this like little opening. <laughs> so I'm like, Wes, I think you might be like standing on the entrance to this bear den. <laughs> and he like looks down and we peek in and it's just this, 80 foot long tunnel that like is crazy. It's like crazy that it even existed. Like, do you think the bear made that tunnel Wes? No, it didn't. It found it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like a perfectly like 80 foot super far tunnel. And we had to like crawl in this tunnel. And then like 15 feet in, we have headlight. Wes had a headlight and it's just me and him. And we see these green eyes just staring back at us at the back of the den. And it's the scariest thing in the world. And I mean, 
we know it's the bear because of the GPS signal. That was like its last point that updated to us. So it's not like we're thinking this is anything but a bear. But like in a tiny den, like bears, that's pretty scary, you know. So then we crawl all the way up to the bear. Um, Wes like waits a while to look for any signs of aggression. So like any panting or like... Uh, that's like huffing that's the or clacking its jaws, for, right? Yeah, yeah, more not so much panting, more like it. It'll like click its jaws. It'll huff. It'll bluff charge, and and like this but den then, was so tight that it was like there was nowhere we could go. We were in single file, and there was just like nowhere for us to get away. When when I was following him, I was like losing it a bit, and I was like, "West, like this is fucking crazy. We can't do this." And he <laughs> just goes. He like turns to me. He's like. Jeff, shut up. <laughs> so awesome. Uh, Get a hold of yourself. Yeah, that was like the scariest thing ever was like crawling in a bear den with like its eyes staring back at us. He ended up drugging it. We ended up like making sure it was healthy. It's a big black bear too. It's like one of our Damn. biggest bears, but that's our best bear story I have for you. Pretty darn good. Yeah, it was a good one. All right, guys, I'm going to play. Well, we're all going to play a game that we play with our guests. I'm going to go down a list of different types of phenomena. If you're open to it, you're going to say believe it. If you're not open to it, you're going to say bullshit. There's no in between for the sake of this exercise. Okay, you have to decide in the moment. If there's something we want to circle back and talk about, we will. This is a game we call Bullshit. Or believe it. Cryptid Crypt Edition. This one's a little bit more Halloween themed. Okay, here we go. Wes, Jeff, on your marks. Get set. Ghosts. Believe it. Bullshit. Aliens. Believe it. Believe it. Bigfoot. Bullshit. Mm, Bullshit. Zombies. Bullshit. Bullshit. Werewolves. Believe Bullshit. it. Shapeshifters. Believe it. Bullshit. A Ouija board. Z. Believe it. <laughs> Bullshit. Shadow people. Bullshit. Bullshit. Well, you got a photo of one, didn't you, Wes? <laughs> At least one, maybe three horror movies. Believe it. Bullshit. Witches. Believe it. Bullshit. Portals to hell. Bullshit. Bullshit. Curses. Believe it. Believe it. Demons. Believe it. Believe it. Things get weird when there's a full moon. Believe Believe it. it. Psychic vampires. Bullshit. Bullshit. Regular vampires. Bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit. Black magic. Believe it. Bullshit. Fortune telling. Believe Bullshit. it. Egging a house. Believe it. Believe it. Haunted dolls. <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit. You you troublemakers, you. Yeah, we got a couple <laughs> hooligans on our hands. Bat squatch. Bullshit. I don't I pass. It's a giant, <laughs> giant, giant bat from uh, Mount St. Helens. <clears throat> Just one? One giant, like, human-sized bat Is one not enough? (laughs) Bullshit. (laughs) Spiders are scary. Believe it. 
Bullshit. Candy corn. Believe it. Believe it. Reese's peanut butter cups. Believe, Believe it. it. Dressing up for Halloween. Believe, Believe it. it. Yeah. You know all right, boys. Yes. Nice, nice work. <laughs> right. Well done. So you guys have egged a few houses in your time, huh? <laughs> just you know, just a couple. <sighs> I'm interested that in this one. It came great. up last week as well. Uh, things get weird when there's a full moon. Have you guys seen any stuff in 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 the in nature that would that would point to that? There's mm. definitely some animals that get more excited. Um, I, it, you know, we actually, we got this question from one of our listeners recently, like aside from marine animal, animals, what happens to other animals? And there's different things that happen. Like prey species might actually be a little bit less likely to be out when there's a full moon because they know that they're more easily seen and hunters mm. like mm. predators might be a little bit more likely to be out hunting because it is a little bit easier to see. So things do like get a little bit crazier with predator prey relationships sometimes in a full moon. But then, I don't know, I think there's some really anecdotal stuff I've heard, too, where just when there's a full moon, lots of animals just kind of seem to get a little bit more riled up. Yeah. And Love I that. think there's a great explanation for it. Yeah. Mm. That full moon, baby. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with this week's story of high strangeness with Wes and Jeff from Tooth and Clock. <laughs> So I'm pulling an audible here uh, before we get to the story of high strangeness. Riley, scroll down. I want to mm-hmm. read this five star review before we do the high strangeness instead of after J- Wes and Jeff leave, because <coughs> yeah, strangely enough, it totally applies. And and I think they'll be able to chime in. Great. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Great. Let's do that. <clears throat> all right. Here we go. We'll come back in. All right, we're back with Wes and Jeff from Tooth and Claw. And before we get to this week's story of high strangeness, I was going to save this for the end of the show. But then I realized we actually have the perfect people here to respond, oddly enough, to this five-star review that somebody left for us on Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening and you love the show, please follow, rate, and review BCC on your favorite podcast app. And if you drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we might read it on the show like this Great review slash hot take. Riley, take it away. Uh, This is from living person for sure. The number four. Uh, Here we go. Love Makes the show. me wonder if they're really living. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think they're alive. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you got, you like, don't need to say that if you're alive. So it exactly. makes, me, makes me question that. Mm-hmm. Trying a little too hard there, living person. Uh, the title of the review is Love the Show, But Please, Let's Think About This Cave Map. Uh, and the review is as follows. I adore this podcast. I would give it seven stars if I could. But this is the second time in as many weeks that Michael, Bryson, Riley, and the guest have talked about that map of the most missing people in the U.S. overlaid by the cave systems. Guys, this map is straight up disinformation. A real map of the most missing people in the U.S. would cluster around cities because that's where most people live. It takes two seconds to think about it. David Pilates really has a lot to answer for. Five stars! Um, <laughs> no, Do you okay. guys know uh, what this reviewer and listener is referring to? Yes. I, 
I mean, I kind of figured it out as it went. <laughs> <laughs> Logical. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? I, mean, I just believe whatever I hear, so I'm I believe the <laughs> listener right now. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, I tend to like agree that if if you were to look at it like every missing person in the U.S., there'd probably be clustered around the bigger cities. But I think if you like were to take that away and look at people missing in more rural areas, the cave thing is really interesting to me. Um, but I haven't looked into it enough to like say anything with any real conviction. Yeah, well, I did a little bit of digging into it after we got this review. Thank you, living person, for sure, question mark. Um, we hear you. And I think the point about this map is that it's not all the missing p- persons in the country. According to like the missing persons database, like there's 600,000 missing persons cases in the U.S. every year. I was surprised to find out that like around 90% of them are found uh, but the cave systems and the missing yeah, person map. Surprising. Yeah, it's wild, right? Uh, the David yeah. Polites is referring to, and it is a little bit misleading. I went on Snopes. I, I Snopes was like, it's half and half. Um, that's really referring to the missing, per- the mysterious missing persons cases that he's looking at and where they fall into line with the cave system. So you're right that it's not representative of all the missing persons cases in the world. But then this was interesting too. I looked up information about states that have the most missing people per capita. And even though California has the most missing persons cases really per capita, Alaska has the most Alaska, Alaska. Absolutely. So these rural areas Mm. do have these strange cases. So something, something to look, think about for us, Uh, and something for people to check out. We'll put a link to that Snopes uh, article that kind of breaks the maps down and I think is a pretty fair assessment of what's going on there. Uh, but thank maybe, you for that I'm still like skeptical of the username too. So yeah. like maybe it's like <laughs> a spirit or like a vampire targeting people in rur- rural areas. Yeah. yeah. Right. And they don't want like you guys to bring more attention to that right. so that they like can the keep last going. Line, yeah, like also, yeah. not typed from cave. Also living yeah. person for sure. Why if you can go beyond five stars, why stop at seven? Why wouldn't you give us all the stars? Don't 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 yeah. get greedy. Don't be greedy. That's nice. That's I'm very just complimentary. I will right. say I've I've spent a lot of time in Alaska and a lot of the people that go to Alaska go there so that they don't have to really deal with the normal that's right societal kind right. of things. They don't like want their family to know where they are. Yeah, yeah so they I'm go not there not surprised. to be found. Exactly. That's not surprising to me that a lot of people go missing there. That's a lot of the missing persons or some missing persons cases too, or people that are like, I'm out, I got to get out of here. And they just take off. That seven stars uh, thing made me think of one of our, one of my favorite reviews for our podcast was like, Best podcast ever. I'd give it 50 stars if I could. And it was three out of five star review. <laughs> it's like, you liar. Well, you, you're not going to give us 50 stars. You won't even yeah. give us five. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, uh, it's time to open up zombie Sasquatches or zombie Bigfoot. Excuse me. Uh, their cryptid crypt and pull out this week's story of high strangeness prepared by Mr. Bryce O. Johnson. 
That's right. That's right. Well, let's 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 jump in here now. Riley, cue that ever so spooky music that you do so well. Mm-hmm. Look, I know you guys are like scientists and biologists and whatnot, and you know I want to be able to tell you stuff like upright walking canids, otherwise known as dogmen, don't really exist. But I can't do that. I want to tell you that these dogman encounters never end badly, but I can't do that either. I want to tell you guys that all this stuff is just make-believe, the stuff of legend, and just outright hoax, but I can't do any of that. I can't do those things because it just wouldn't be true. <laughs> Have you guys ever heard of the Michigan Dogman? I've never heard of it. Mm. <laughs> no. Well, I have questions. <laughs> yeah. We're all terrified yeah. now. Yeah. Unhinged yeah. Bryce. Scary. Unhinged Bryce. Just keep it coming. Yeah. Why Dogman? Why now? And why Michigan? Let's get into it. This is the story of the Michigan Dogman. Now, the first reported sighting took place in Wexford County, Michigan, when some lumberjacks spotted a sinister-looking dog. So, with nothing better to do and being total dicks, they began chasing after it. To escape its pursuers, the creature decided to take shelter inside a hollowed-out log. Well, as I'm sure you boys both know, some things are just better left alone. But the lumberjacks wouldn't budge. They began poking sticks inside the log, and that's when this beast let out an ungodly scream crawled out from inside the shelter and slowly menacingly stood upright where it gazed with its burning yellow eyes straight into the souls of its tormentors what they saw was a seven and a half foot tall abomination a thing with the torso of a man the hind legs of a canine and the head and jaw of what can only be described as a hound from hell Snarling teeth, pointed black ears, and a pronounced jaw that could snap bones in half. The legend of Dogman was born. Unofficially, stories of a similar creature date back centuries. The Ottawa tribe that inhabited the areas around the Manistee River tell of a dog-like beast that roams the woods and takes what it pleases. Ten years dog after man the of incident. Pleasure. Yes, <laughs> Dogman of Pleasure. Ten years after the incident, on a night just like the aforementioned one, a sheriff happened to approach a turned-over wagon in the dead of the night. The driver was nowhere to be seen, but that's when the foul stench of death hit him, because on the dusty ground lay four breathless horses, eyes wide open from their last catatonic stare. A veterinarian was called to the scene, only to be completely flummoxed as to what could possibly be the cause of their untimely death. However, as the sun started to rise in the east, the unbelievably large wolf-like paw prints that adorned the ground gave the suspect away. Dogman! In 1937, reports swirled around Michigan of a boat captain and his crew who swore they saw a pack of wild dogs roaming Bowers Harbor. When that same year, a man named Robert Fortney tried to shoot at the wild pack of dogs with a shotgun near Muskegon River, only to have one of the dogs... Muskegon River! I I spent a summer in Muskegon. It was one of my happiest childhood memories. (laughs) (laughs) No dogs. 
Only to have one of the dogs stop cold in its tracks, rear up on its hind legs, and reveal itself as the seven-foot-tall devil dog that it was. Because it stared straight into the back of Robert's skull with its yellow, burning eyes. He had heard the midnight stories of the dogman, but he had never believed them. Until now. Legend has it the beast, or beasts, returns to the same area every ten years to feed and terrorize. And on decades ending with a seven, no less, the hound from hell appears more frequently. Michael, what do you make of the apparent cyclical nature of this beast? I mean, if we're going with traditional horror movie tropes... No, just kidding. You you can answer. (laughs) This narrator, this unhinged narrator is really (laughs) setting me up and then smacking me down. Um, If we're going by horror movie tropes, it would... There's either one of two things. It's either a generational thing where it takes seven Mm. years for the next to mature or it's going into some sort of hibernation. Um... I would defer to Wes and Jeff about these things. I know dogs don't hibernate. I'm I'm actually curious about something you described in the first part. What makes us what quantifies a sinister dog? They said the lumberjack saw a sinister dog. What was it doing that seemed sinister? It's all in the eyes, Michael. Everybody knows that. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. It wasn't like a corgi. <laughs> like, smile, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Right, right. Come on. We all we're all dog owners here. We can so talk. It, Come on. It has <laughs> a toothpick in its mouth and it was like flicking a coin up and down and sizing them yeah. up like you know, or play, or has like <laughs> dogman a different from a werewolf. Well hold on. Like, the moon doesn't affect it. Or like what's the difference between the dogman and a werewolf? Jeff, I knew I liked you because you're getting way ahead of this story. In nineteen fifty seven, a lonely Preacher was making his way to a parish. When he approached the gargantuan door, he repelled back at the sight of the deeply embedded claw marks across the door at twice his own height. He renounced his entrance. And Riley, for no apparent reason, I think you might find this next tale tantalizing. In 1967, near Bel Air, Michigan, a van full of free-wheeling, free-loving culture jammers, a.k.a. hippies, reported being awakened in the middle of the night by a half-dog, half-man, scratching on the windows. Yikes! Like, let's get out of here, scoops! And in 1987, Two local fishermen had an encounter at dusk while they were fishing near Manistee. As the sun was setting, they saw a strange-looking animal swimming towards their boat. One of the men thought it was his old hound coming to join them, but when it got closer, (laughs) he realized the beast had a dog's head and a man's body and was doing a human-style English swim instead of a dog paddle. The two men. That, that's the scariest part yet of any. Like that's yeah. that's a scary visual. Scared for their life, they picked up their oars and began clubbing the creature until it finally retreated back into the depths of the waters, fearing for their reputation. They waited until retirement before telling about their horrific encounter. So many tales of this dogman were surfacing that a Traverse City disc jockey named Steve Cook at WTCM-FM recorded a song about the creature and its reported sightings. The song is called The Legend, and in it he spins the tale of a supernatural canine-human hybrid which appears every ten years to stalk the residents of northern Michigan. 
The legend ends with a warning. So far this spring no stories have appeared. Have the dogmen gone away? Have they disappeared? Soon enough I guess we'll know, cause summer is almost here. And in this decade called the 80s, the seventh year is here. And somewhere in the north woods, darkness, a creature walks upright. And the best advice you may ever get is don't go out at night. Apparently, Steve who had an appreciation for folklore, just sort of made it up and decided to play it on the radio. Little did he know that the song would take on a life of its own. Later when asked about it, Steve said, I'd never heard of anything called the Dogman before I wrote this song. I had no idea that it was already a part of Northern Michigan folklore and certainly had no idea that people were seeing it. I made it up completely from my own imagination as an April Fool's prank for the radio and stumbled my way into a legend that goes all the way back to Native American times. Whatever you say, Steve. Well, after that, the phone started ringing. Calls started coming in, including that of a young girl named Courtney, who was smoking a butt outside of her home in Reed City, Michigan in 93, when she noticed a commotion in the barn, and through the rafters she could make out a seven-foot-tall creature with the head of a dog staring at her. She ran away and later spoke with a neighbor who claimed to have seen a buffalo-sized dog in that same barn, and a fireman from Fowlerville claims he saw a gorilla-shaped creature with a canine head race over a hundred feet into the wooded area in a period of three to four seconds. So, just what is going on here? And Jeff, what is the difference between Dogman and a werewolf? Good question, Club Scout! <laughs> well, expert and laminated card-carrying BCC member Linda S. Godfrey who's considered by all to be the authority on dogmen, had this to say on the subject. Unlike werewolves of Hollywood movies, this type of creature doesn't have human features and doesn't transform from a person into a wolf. It's fully canine, walks on its hind legs, uses its forelimbs to carry chunks of roadkill or deer carcasses. They have pointed ears on top of their heads, they have big fangs, bushy tails, and they walk, most tellingly, digigrade, or on their toe pads, as all canines do. And that's something that a human in a fur suit really can't duplicate. Trying to get an idea for just how long people have been seeing these creatures, Godfrey spoke with elders from the Ho-Chunk Native American tribe, who believed they were spirit creatures from another place that assume a physical form while in their realm. And what better form to take than that of a super predator that stalks the night alone or in pack? Different native tribes throughout the United States tell of shape-shifting entities that commune with us from the other side. Terrorizing might be a better word. And these entities can take on the properties of different animals, especially that of the wolf. Up to the present day, people of Northwest Michigan have been reporting run-ins with this dogman. Godfrey says she's received reports from all over the country, and that Michigan particularly, the area around Kalamazoo and anywhere in the range of the state's Manistee National Forest, has become a hotspot for the creature's sightings. She first became interested in the subject while working as a reporter for a newspaper called the Walworth County Week, and after hearing rumors about a werewolf-like creature, she wrote a story about a creature known as the Beast of Bray Road, 
which was thought to lurk in the area around Elkhorn. Well, the article attracted a lot of attention, and like Cook, Godfrey became a go-to person for those who wanted to share their accounts of these creatures. Although she says, Legends of the Lou a French term for werewolf, can be traced back to the late 1700s and early 1800s in older settlements like Detroit, definitive reports of upright canines don't really start until the 1930s. Godfrey said witnesses are usually scared to death by the creatures, but after 20 years of receiving reports, she's hard-pressed to cite a serious injury or death from an alleged encounter. But I have a little secret to tell. A few years back, I spoke with a producer who may or may not be working on a documentary about said dog man, and she told me that she interviewed a guy who experienced something so awful that still to this day he has PTSD and has had to have intense therapy because of what he witnessed. While canoeing down a river near Michigan's Lower Peninsula, he saw a couple camping over on a sandy shore, but something seemed off as they were panicked and trying to get his attention. And that's when something tore out of the woods on its hind legs. It was black, hairy, tall, and looked like a werewolf. Whatever it was attacked the campers and tore them to shreds, and he witnessed the whole thing. After it was over, the campers were dead, and it just stared at him as it started to feast on the organs. He boated away in shock. So what is this? What is actually happening here? Monsters aren't supposed to exist, and this certainly sounds like a monster to me. Is this some kind of dark magic gone wrong? Are these the legendary skinwalkers or shapeshifters of native lore? Or are we dealing with an unconfirmed North American gigantowolficus? You guys are the animal experts. You tell us, what the hell is that? So, it, I don't know. I'm a full believer in Dogman now. I mean, <laughs> that was enough wait. for me. We're all in agreement that that guy on the boat murdered those campers, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no other witnesses. <laughs> I have one big issue with Dogman. In like one of the earlier stories where it's swimming like a person out to the boat. Mm. Uh And then I just feel like it gave up too easy in that. (laughs) Like, why why is it going to swim so hard to get to this boat? And then there's a couple paddles and it's like, I'm out of here. Back you beast. (laughs) Well, you know, I think from the first encounter of the dogman with those lumberjacks, it sounds like if you poke dogman with a stick, he gets upset. That's the way to make him angry and run away. (laughs) Sticks are like the weakness. Just throw it. He'll fetch it for you. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Dogs Dogs do have my my heart with sticks. My favorite one is the one where it was like, oh, I saw one that was seven feet tall, and the other guy's like, well, I saw one as big as a buffalo. (laughs) 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 All right. Um, I you know as far as like from a a biologist perspective, I I can't see there being an undiscovered species of wolf that walks upright Mm -hmm. and is seven feet Mm -hmm. tall. I just don't think that's a possibility. So I think for dogmen to exist, we have to go outside of that, that realm of typical yeah. biology. Um, yeah. Well said. So. Well yeah. said. Yeah. Yep. 
And we have, uh, Bryce, by the way, your commitment to the narrator of the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland was was fantastic. Freshen up that recording. They need to come to you. Um, we've had Linda S. Godfrey on the show, and she's fantastic, and she's very sensible. And, you know, she started off as just sort of a, you know, a, your typical journalist in a small town paper in Wisconsin and was like, what are these people talking about? But it seems that a lot of evidence that she's uncovered does tend to point more towards the supernatural than say your typical like Bigfoot cases. And a lot of times these dogmen entities appear almost like shadow creatures, kind of like those things in the window of your yeah. cabin in that photograph. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like the, the one kind of cryptid monster or whatever that really, I think scares me the most is a, like a skinwalker shapeshifter kind of thing, because Dude. I do know that, you know, in many of those, those indigenous cultures that believe in that they, it's such a scary kind of demonic thing for them. And it involves witchcraft that they don't even talk about them. Yeah, it's yeah that's of, right. It's kind of like seen as taboo. And, and my friends, even when we go camping, we call them SWs because there's even the belief that just talking about them can cause them to manifest and so mm. it's like, Stop this I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, that's the one that I think to me makes the most sense and is also the, the scariest. So I yeah. like, as you were talking about, I was like, oh man, I, this could be a skinwalker story and, and they really get me. So, I yeah, mean, I was yeah. waiting I to bring up the fact that you called believe it on werewolves during bullshit or believe it because yeah. I knew what story was coming. <laughs> so Yeah. You know, so uh, you would think it's some sort of supernatural demonic kind of thing like this, perhaps. Yeah. The reason I the reason I said believe it on werewolves is um I've traveled around the world a bit and I feel like especially when I was in Brazil, this person was telling me about their werewolf myths down there and mm. kind of explaining how it's like there's similar stories throughout cultures. <laughs> of like a werewolf type figure. And it kind of made me believe in them, which is kind of a, I don't know. It's funny. Like when my parents explained to us that, that Santa isn't real, my older brother still believed in the tooth fairy. And so I, like, yeah. I kind of feel like me believing in werewolves, even though I don't believe in like vampires and stuff is me kind of having a big jump in logic, but for whatever reason, they kind of always rang true to me still. Yeah. Interesting. It sounds to me, Wes, that what it takes for you is Speaking to a level-headed eyewitness or someone who's a little bit well-versed in the subject to keep, you know, to help you open the door in your mind to the possibility of these, of such a creature's existence. Yeah, that, that's generally what it is. And I think that's exactly how I feel then is the door is open. I'm not out there expecting to see one or necessarily like afraid of one, but it opens the door to where I, I can maintain that there's the possibility of that thing existing. Yeah, I mean, and how could I mean, how could you not being taking that snapping that photo yourself, you went, you know, I, I'm maybe just surmising, but you went from somebody who probably didn't pay too much attention to uh, whatever that type of phenomenon is to uh, somebody who might look at it a little closer now because it happened directly to you. I think the same thing goes with these reports of Bigfoot or these dogmen, you know, I, I was having a lot of fun there, but people are reporting this sort of canid thing 
uh, that's walking upright that shouldn't really be happening. Yet, you know, I think of like the the Patterson Gimlin film, Michael, and how it sort of served as a catalyst for more and more Bigfoot sightings. I think this Dogman thing and the Beast of Bray Road incident really sort of opened up Pandora's box for these Dogman sightings and ser- served as a catalyst for more and more of these reports to come in. Yeah, it's weird too that it's all like in the late. 80s early 90s in wisconsin and michigan that these stories really yeah, like that is came interesting out. i don't know what that's about jeff any final thoughts on Dogman before we wrap up this week's installment of bigfoot collectors club yeah i mean for me it's like i kind of need to experience it to start believing it but so like i tend to not believe it but then like also a few weeks ago and this <laughs> sound funny but it's like I don't know how to explain it. I was going home and my neighbor had a live trap and they had like caught a chicken inside of this trap. And I looked at it for like a minute, just like wondering like why they had a chicken in a trap. And then I went upstairs, I took a nap. Two hours later, I like left again and I looked again and there was a squirrel in there. Oh, and I'm shit. like positive I saw a chicken and then I'm positive as a squirrel. And I went and like rung the doorbell and the neighbor wasn't home. I have no idea how that happened. And wow. like, but I'm sure of both things. So then like it makes you wonder, like, you know, Forest well, magic. Like, when it happens to you, you do kind of have to open the door to some of that stuff. <laughs> Your next yeah. episode can be on the squirrel chickens of Salt Lake City. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's what I wanted Terrifying. to say. Actually, there are a lot of actually there's been a recent swath in the past you know recent meaning like past 10 years of a bigfoot activity around provo utah so you would be surprised yeah, you might I be closer that. to bigfoot activity than than you might think um Can i don't I, know what to think of this shape-shifting chicken though jeff you're you're on, your <laughs> on that one. i think i think for me uh, like one last thing i wanted to say is like you know you guys have me on as a biologist i think for me believing in a species that we've never scene that's like a megafauna that's massive is really hard for me believing in something that's paranormal that maybe can shapeshift or inhabit something else else's body is is much more kind of up my alley so that's kind of how Love i feel it. about dogman well, and, and all of this yeah you know, well, you know Wes, that means Wes, we get the best say. of both worlds from you and we love that <laughs> <laughs> well and i was going to say this may surprise you but we've often talked that that bigfoot might be as sort of under that same umbrella Interesting. Yeah, like Jeff yeah. said, he might be a possessed bear, you know? Yeah. For force magic. Let us know if you see any Sasquatches manifesting orbs of light out of their chest out in the woods. I will. And, and then we'll talk. Oh wow. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, they're out there. Uh, I'll, probably, Wes, I'll probably let everyone know. Yeah, please do. Yeah, please. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Jeff, Wes, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find you and where can people find uh Tooth and Clock? Yes, yeah, so you guys can find Tooth and Claw wherever you get your podcasts. Um, again, it's a it's a podcast that's all about stories of animal encounters, uh, why they happen, how they happen. We give the grisly details, but then we also break them down and talk about how you can avoid them, what we can learn from them. Jeff is a really funny presence on it. So is our other co-host, Mike. Plus, they contribute a lot of really interesting information. I contribute my... Um, kind of experience as a wildlife biologist for the last 10 years. So find it wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we're on Instagram at Tooth and Claw Podcast. 
and pretty much any animal that you know kills people we have covered it or we're eventually going to cover it so you know sold. choose your favorite animal yeah we'll tell you how it shot. killed someone fucking sold <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i would say a really good place to start is with our three-parter on night of the grizzlies um, a grizzly attack that happened in montana in the late 60s where two women were killed uh, the same night in different spots Oh my uh, god! Great, start there. Gary. That's perfect. Damn, those bear story. Listen, those those bear stories get me worse than any other. The, I, that's, Dying that's, by bear is about as bad as it gets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It they, get most worse. animals like try to kill you pretty quick, and bears will just start eating you. Oh, uh, on that. All note. right. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna say goodbye to Jeff and Wes. <laughs> Thanks again for being on the show, boys. We really, Thanks, really guys. appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yeah. It's yeah. fun. Woo. All right, everybody, that wraps up another edition here in the clubhouse. Uh, Jeff, Wes, what a, what, a, what a couple of great guys. I cannot mm-hmm. wait to dig deeper into Tooth and Claw. We've got to go uh, check check that show out. Uh, yeah, who, who knew like animal attacks would kind of work well with the, uh, the paranormal, but they, they do. They couple nicely. <laughs> they do. It's a nice pairing. Yeah. Well, the best hook is genuinely terrifying. And uh, good reminder that if you are not following us on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club, follow us. You want to look at this picture. It's super, super spooky. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, a, oh, go ahead, Riley. I was just going to say, you'd really truly need to see this photo. I just was staring at it that whole conversation, just like trying to justify it. Like, well, maybe it's the curtains or something with the exposure, but it's just like, You'd need to see that photo. So yeah, you might as and well then there's an up. example where, uh, a moment after where there's nothing there. Yeah. <sighs> All right, let's get out well, of here. Listen, yeah, Club Scouts, if you guys want to support the show, join our Patreon, BCC the other side. All you got to do is just pay a five dollar monthly pledge, and that's going to get you three bonus episodes every month, plus the access to our entire Patreon backlog of exclusive episodes and content we do so much fun stuff over there it really is the shadow side to the bigfoot collectors club so just go to patreon.com slash bigfoot collectors club for more info that's right and in uh in addition to instagram uh for all your bcc visual aids uh join us on twitter at bigfoot pod for the latest episode drops and guess what boys what we're on we're on TikTok now. Did you know oh, that? No, Whoa. really? We're yeah. Gen Z now? Cool. We are officially Gen Z. Follow <laughs> us on TikTok at BCC Podcast. I'm sure it's going to take a minute to figure out exactly what um, that account's going to become, but I have some really fun ideas for some TikTok exclusive content. Uh, Great. So, also, if you have any weird videos that you've captured, please tag us over there so we can repost and share those with your fellow Club Scouts. Mm, Love it! Idea. I'm excited. I got some plans uh, that, um, I'm, you know, I've been learning some, some editing, fun editing editing stuff uh with my dumb phone so uh, i think we're gonna right. have some cool stuff over there so uh, uh in the meantime follow me at mcmills on instagram check out the return of my other podcast slate your name uh where i talk to actors and creators about the uh, ups and downs of navigating a career in hollywood uh bryce what do you got yeah, find me on Instagram at Bryce O. Johnson and on Twitter at Mr. Bryce Johnson and hit me up on Cameo. I want to say hi to you. 
And right. I am Peace Drone on Instagram. And I'm also on Cameo and have been getting like a few lately. And I've been playing covers for people. And it's really fun. So if you want to request a song, just a special song you want, I'll play it for you. And Dude, I might hit you. I might hit you up. <laughs> so, and I'll tell you what, it's pretty cheap because like I have to yeah. learn the song and play it. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm really putting my all into this. For I fucking right. love you, twenty yeah. bucks or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm over there too, and I can't play an instrument, but I'll sing you a song. I've got a pretty good acapella voice, he and does. I've been told I have per- perfect pitch. So we'll see. <laughs> hit us I up over it. there. All right, we're crossing over to the other side right now to talk about a very scary island full of. Let you know if you join us over there. We'll see you there or back here next week for a very special episode of BCC. Until then, good night and go get regressed. <laughs> Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray and Michael McMillan and scored and engineered by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. Do us a favor and support the show and unlock three bonus episodes every month by becoming a member of our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, which can be found at patreon.com slash bigfootcollectorsclub. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.